Silence. For 400 years, there was silence. From the end of Malachi to the beginning of the book of Matthew, 400 years that God did not speak through a prophet. But through this silence, we know that God was working. That God was moving, that God was stirring something up among his people. That God was preparing the hearts and the minds of people for the most important event that this world had ever seen. The arrival of the king. We know that God is never, ever, ever silent. But he speaks from the silence. From the quiet places where the noise is gone, that is where the shouting of God begins. And the same is true of that night, that silent night. 400 years of silence had led up to that night. And that night was calm, it was quiet, it was an ordinary night. Near the sleepy town of Bethlehem in Judea, that night wasn't any different from any other night. Shepherds were sitting in the darkness in the fields, watching over their sheep, guarding their flocks. It was an ordinary night. A silent night. A night, though, that will never be forgotten. See, a night, that night changed absolutely everything. That night changed the trajectory of your life and my life forever. Because suddenly, out of the darkness, God spoke. Scratch that. Out of the darkness, God absolutely shouted to the world. The greatest message ever. One moment, ordinary shepherd sitting in the dark on a hillside. And then suddenly, brilliant light. Not just any light, but the glory of the Lord surrounded these shepherds. And it wasn't dark anymore. 400 years of silence had been broken. And an angel of the Lord spoke to them and said, don't be afraid. Because I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yeah, the Messiah, the one that you've been waiting for, the one that you've been praying for, the one that you've been searching for, the one the prophecies told you about, that Messiah, the King, has been born today, steps away in Bethlehem. And suddenly the one angel was joined by a vast army of angels, and I bet it lit up the sky. The first UFO sighting ever. How awesome would that be? Out of the silence, God shouts the greatest message ever. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. And 2,000 years later, in Peoria, Illinois, it's still the greatest message. It's the good news. It brings the greatest joy more than any other message to all people, to you and to me. And I love that the, the arrival of the Lamb of God was announced to shepherds who were guarding their lambs. I don't think it's any accident that the arrival of the great shepherd was announced to shepherds. Do you? See, in the silence, in the stillness, in the ordinary, that's when God shouts the loudest. And that night, God just completely shattered the silence. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. You better believe that those shepherds, they ran with urgency. 
their lives were now flipped upside down. And they were now shouting from the silence that they had previously experienced. Their lives went from silence to shouting because that's how God works. You know, it blows my mind that the God of heaven, just think about this, the God of the universe, the creator, left his throne in heaven. He left it all because of love, all to restore a broken relationship, all to fix a mess that you and I had made, all to die a death that should have been ours, to take a punishment that should have been ours. But see, that's who God is. Leviticus 26 says this, it's God talking to the people of Israel, but it's also God talking to you and to me. He says, I will walk among you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves. Somebody give God some praise. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so that you can walk with your head held high. See, he came to be among the people that he loved. The creator came to live in his creation. He came to walk among us, to walk alongside of us so that we would no longer be slaves, so that we could walk with our heads held high. Think about this for a second. God could have come to earth as a 30-year-old man That would have been easy for him. He could have just started his ministry then, died on the cross, and and taken care of everything that he needed to. So why did he go through the trouble of being born as this weak, humble little infant in a dirty, nasty stable out back, miraculously conceived? See, the King of Kings the Lord of lords, the creator, the sustainer of all things, the great I am, the one that has his creation, or no end, Yahweh, the king, humbled himself, the creation. From birth to his death, he lived among the people that he loved so that he could redeem us. Why? Because that's who he is. He walks among his people. He walks in your life and my life every day. We just don't always see it. And once again, the creator had shouted from the silence. Light had once again pierced the darkness, and the world would never, ever be the same. Let's pray before we go farther. Father, we're so grateful that we can gather today on a cold day, but we have warm hearts. We celebrate the arrival of the king that you humbled yourself, our creator, and came to walk among us. Help us to grasp that love that you are always pursuing us, always chasing us down, no matter what we do, no matter what we've done, you love us beyond anything that we could ever imagine. So God, right now, I'd ask that you'd remove me, that you would speak directly to hearts and minds in this place today. God, that we would have an encounter with the King, an encounter with Jesus, that we would leave this place different than when we came in because that's what Jesus does. He changes us. God, we want to be changed. And all God's people said, Amen. So the King had arrived. The silence had been shattered. But let's back up for just a moment. 
15 to 16 months before that night was, was shouted by God. Six, 15 to 16 months before that, there was a man, a priest named Zechariah. And Zechariah had a wife named Elizabeth, and they were from the priestly line of Aaron, and they didn't have any children because Elizabeth was barren. She was unable to conceive. And the Bible says they were very old at this point in time. And one day, Zechariah, he's in the temple. He's doing his priestly duties. He's in the sanctuary, and he's lighting the incense. He's alone, just him in the sanctuary of the Lord. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and stood to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah did exactly what you and I would have done. He was scared out of his mind. He was shaken. He was overwhelmed. But, you know, the angel said what all good angels say, do not be afraid. They got that down. And we need it. The angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. He said, God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, and he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And Zechariah looked at the angel and said, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm, I'm kind of an old guy. My wife is very old as well. And the angel said, dude, my name is Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God, and he has sent me here to tell you this good news. But now, Zechariah, since you didn't believe, since you didn't have faith, that what I said was true, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be silent and unable to speak until John is born. Gabriel said, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And we can sit back here today, 2,000 years later, as armchair quarterbacks, and we can kind of laugh at Zachariah and say, dude, you were a priest. You knew the story of how your nation started. Abraham and Sarah. Sarah didn't believe God for the child, for Isaac. You knew the story. That's how you are here today. You're a priest. You should know. An angel of the Lord appears to you and tells you, how can you not believe him? And we may get tempted to diss old Zechariah, but before we do, let me ask you, let me ask me a question. Do you believe everything that God has spoken into your life 100% of the time? Do you always believe every promise of God? I'll let that be a rhetorical question. I think we know the answer. So Zechariah has this encounter with the angel. He's in the sanctuary alone. And meanwhile, there's a crowd of people outside. They're waiting to get in, and they realize Zechariah has not come out. Something is wrong. So finally he comes out, and they realize something is wrong. He can't talk. He's motioning. His eyes are wide. They realize he's seen some sort of vision. He cannot speak. But soon afterwards, the word of God came true, and Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And then she went, the Bible says she went into seclusion for five months. And I have to wonder how important those five months of solitude were. 
what God must have spoken to Elizabeth during that time of silence and also to Zechariah during his time of silence. See, our lives must begin with solitude. They must begin with silence before the shouting can begin. There's a proper order to the way God has structured this. And when Elizabeth is six months pregnant, the angel Gabriel, he's a busy guy, he makes a second visit. And this time, you know the story, he visits a young girl named Mary, who was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who uh, was a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appears to Mary and he says, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And the customary angel line, do not be afraid. Mary, because you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and of his kingdom will be no end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born within you is holy and will be called the Son of God. And what's more, Gabriel said, your relative Elizabeth, she's become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she's conceived a son and now in the sixth month of her pregnancy, And then he said this, I love this, Gabriel said, for the word of God will never fail. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Man, imagine if we approached God's promises like that and said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything, God, that you've said about me come true. That would change our lives. See, it's from emptiness that God speaks. It's from the silence that God speaks. It's from barrenness that God speaks. For the word of God will never fail. And a few days later, Mary went to see Elizabeth. And when she arrived at Elizabeth's house, at the sound of Mary's voice, little John inside the womb jumped within Elizabeth. And the Bible says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth tells Mary, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed, Mary. You believed the Lord would do what he said. And Mary responds with this amazing song of praise to God. And then she stays with Elizabeth for about three months. So if you're doing the math, three plus six equals nine. It was just about the time for little John to be born. And he was born, and when the baby was eight days old, All the neighbors and relatives came over, and it was time. It was customary to have a circumcision ceremony back in that day. I'm glad we don't do that today. It's kind of weird, but that's what they did. And all the people that gathered, the neighbors and relatives, they said, we should name the boy Zachariah. That's the custom. Name the firstborn after the father's name. And Elizabeth said, no, 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 no. His name is John. His name is John. What? What? That, that's, that's ridiculous. No one in your family, Elizabeth, goes by that name. And so they started to ask Zechariah. Remember, Zechariah still couldn't speak. And they asked him using gestures. They said, hey, what is this boy to be named? And they got out a writing tablet for Zechariah. And Zechariah wrote on the tablet. And he wrote down this. And he said, his name is John. His name is John. And as soon 
as Zechariah wrote that down. In that very instant, he could speak again. And he began praising God. His silence had turned to shouting. And the Bible says that the whole neighborhood was in awe of what happened. And the news spread throughout Judea. Imagine this. Imagine living in silence like Zechariah for nine months, not being able to talk. Imagine being so humbled by God because you didn't quite believe what God had told you, that he had to shut your mouth. Imagine listening in humility to the voice of God for nine months. I bet it wrecked Zechariah in a good way. I bet his life was changed forever. I bet he lived the rest of his days with his ears open to the sound of heaven. Remember, 400 years of silence, God did not speak through a prophet until this moment. Nine months of Zechariah living speechless, and then God broke the silence. 400 years, and the shouting, the prophecy began through Zechariah. The Bible says at that moment, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave this prophecy, the first prophecy in 400 years. He said, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. And then he turns to his son, his eight-day-old eight son. And he says, and you, my little son, and you will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. And then he says this, my favorite verse in the entire Bible, Luke 178. He says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Unbelievable. From Zechariah's silence, from 400 years of no prophecy, God turns on the faucet full blast and silence had turned to shouting. See, here's the thing. Out of your silence, God will speak. Out of your silence, God will shout. But you have to stop talking and start listening. See, God is speaking to your soul right here, right now. But are you hearing him? Are you listening to him? See, when God speaks, he brings light when God speaks, he brings life. Isaac talked about it last week. Such a great message. When you feel the silence in your life, God is speaking, God is moving, God is stirring something out. And he's not speaking darkness, he is speaking light. He is not speaking death, he is speaking life over you. Here's the thing, just because you can't see the light doesn't mean it's not there. Last February, my family and I were really blessed to be able to take a trip to Hawaii, to Maui. That's a place we'd never really wanted to go, but my brother, who's been there a few times, he, he kept telling us, you've got to go. It's awesome. It's amazing. Sorry, Tim, I didn't quite believe you, but now I believe you. And one of the things my brother said, you've got to do, you've got to go up on this 10,000-foot mountaintop, Mount Haleakala. 
and watch the sunrise from the mountaintop. And so we did. It's, it's not easy to do. You have to get up at like 3 in the morning. And, and remember, you're, you're in the islands of Hawaii and Maui. It's darkness. I mean, there's no city lights. You're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's dark as dark as dark can get. And so we started driving at 3 in the morning up this windy switchbacks, 10,000 feet to the top, to the summit. We got to this parking lot and where the summit was, and it was so dark we had to use our phones to climb the stairs the rest of the way to the very top. There's about 100 people out there gathered just in darkness, waiting for something to happen. And we waited as about an hour and a half long process. And we waited, and, and pretty soon, out of the darkness, you could see just a, a faint glimmer of light. You could see the evidence of light coming, but you couldn't quite see the sun yet. Another half hour, another hour goes by, and I kid you not, the moment that that first ray of sunlight pierced through the darkness and hit us, that moment, a hundred people who were standing in silence audibly gasped. I am not making that up. It was a holy moment. And that sunlight broke and started streaming down on us. And the only thing I could think of was Luke 1:78, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And some of you in this room feel like you're sitting in the darkness. You may not know Jesus. You may know Jesus. You may feel like you're just going through a dark time. But here's what I'm coming to tell you today. Do not give up on the word that God spoke over your life, whether that was five days ago, five months ago, five years ago, 50 years ago. Because just because you can't see the light doesn't mean it's not there. Can I remind you that the word of God never fails? The light is there every morning. You know this for as long as you've lived. The light has always overtaken the darkness. No exceptions. Every single morning, the light overcomes the darkness. And even when you experience the darkness, it doesn't mean that the light is not there. It's still there. And you may feel this morning like you're sitting in darkness, like you're that, those shepherds who've experienced 400 years of silence. But I've come to tell you the light will soon appear. In the morning, it will completely consume the darkness. 400 years of silence. 400 years. You think they thought God had forgotten about them? You think God's forgotten about you? No, he's moving. He's stirring. He's working in your life. He's there. He can't, has not gone anywhere. And the light will soon appear. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon you. See, out of your silence, God will speak. Out of your silence, God will shout. Let me ask you this, just like Zechariah, what's being birthed out of your silence? What is about to break loose out of your silence? Take a deep breath for just a moment. Just inhale and exhale. Feels good, doesn't it? Inhale, exhale. See, breathing is a two-step process. 
And in the very beginning, God breathed his spirit into us. And you and I, we carry the spirit of God. See, when you inhale, the air fills your lungs, yes? But you can't just stop there, then you need to exhale. And you can't just stop there, you need to inhale. You've got to keep going, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. It's a rhythm in our lives. And the same is true with silence. We need to inhale in silence, but we can't stop there. We need to exhale in shouting. Inhale in silence. Seek him first. Make sure what you're inhaling is the spirit of God and not some other spirit. But then exhale in shouting. See, God's put that breath inside of you so that it could be released to the world around you. Don't be selfish. Don't stop the breath of God. Don't stop the spirit of God. See, some of you have a shouting problem. God has spoken to you and you've heard his voice, but you're keeping it all inside and you need to exhale to the world around you what God's told you. See, silence isn't meant to stay there. It's meant for you to listen and inhale the Spirit of God, but then for you to shout what you have heard. And see, then some of you have a silence problem. You have no problem talking and shouting and sharing, but you're just spewing words. And you're not taking time to be silent. You're not seeking the solitude, seeking the Savior, so that your shouts are about Jesus and not about yourself. And you need to focus on inhaling the right air, being in the right atmosphere. So John, little John, he'd been born out of silence. He'd been born out of solitude. But then John grew up and became strong in the spirit. And John goes from being born in silence to having a life of shouting. And his message was this, repent, turn around, do a 180, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And it was the prophet Isaiah, remember, that, that spoke about John and said, he's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. And John, he, he, he shouted this message and people from Jerusalem and all around Judea and all over the Jordan Valley, they came to see and hear John. And they confessed their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River and people were turning to God. He was clearing the way for one greater than him. And one day some Jewish leaders came to, uh, to John and they said, who are you? And he said, well, I'm not the Messiah. And they said, well, well then who are you? Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet that we're expecting? No, I'm not him. Then who are you, John? We need an answer. And John replied in those words of Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clearing the way for the Lord's coming. He said, I'm just a guy that's pointing to Jesus. What's your life pointing to? Who are you pointing to? Who are you clearing the way for? Are you creating space so that you can clear the way for Jesus? Is your life making a path for you or for Jesus? Are you clearing your own way or are you clearing the way for Jesus? See, here's the thing, church. You and I are just like John. We are that same prophet. We are the voice in Peoria. We are that person that's supposed to shout. We are that guy that's supposed to point to Jesus. 
And in the words of John, we must become less and he must become greater. And we must point all of those that follow us beyond us to Jesus. See, John told his disciples, John had disciples that that helped him out, that followed him. And then there came a point when Jesus came along, John said, hey, don't follow me. Follow him. Follow Jesus. See, Andrew was one of those disciples of John's. And John told Andrew, he said, no, the time has come. Follow him, not me. And Andrew went and followed Jesus. And then Andrew got his brother, Simon, who you know as Peter, who launched the church. Who are you pointing to? Don't follow me, follow him. Are you developing a rhythm of silence in your life? Are you developing this rhythm of solitude in life, your life so you can hear from the Savior? So that you can not stop there, but so that you can exhale, so that you can shout about Jesus? Will you clear space in your life so that you can clear a path for Jesus? I'm going to close by reading from John 1. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word, Jesus, already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. See, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And when I was writing this message, I thought, man... If I could only take everyone up onto that 10,000-foot mountaintop in Maui and just experience going from darkness to light, like maybe we would all get it. And then it was like God smacked me across the face. And he said, you can. He said, that's what I want your life to be about. It's taking people up on the mountaintop and showing them the light. A light that is breaking through the darkness. See, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. God sent a man, Chris Taves, to tell about the light. God sent a woman, Heidi, to tell about the light. God sent a man, Phil, to tell about the light. God sent a woman, Jennifer, to tell about the light. God is sending you to tell about the light so that everyone might believe. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. You're not the light, but you're a witness to tell about the light. See, you're not the light, but you can carry the light. You're not the light, but you can point to the light. You're not the light, but you can clear away for the light. See, God is never, ever silent, but he speaks from the silence. 
from the quiet places where the noise is gone, that is where his shouting begins. For you to clear a path, for you to make a way to tell that the light has come, the silence has been broken. See, it starts with silence, but then it ends with shouting. There's a voice of one shouting in the wilderness. There's a voice, there's voices of one shouting in Peoria. There's voices shouting about Jesus, about one name. God, we're going to be silent before you. That's our prayer, so that we can shout about you. Silent before you, so that we can shout about you. Church, let's start with silence, but then let's end with shouting, and then shout it louder and louder and louder. The good news of great joy for all people. The King is among us. Praise God, yes? The light has surely come. The band's going to continue to play. And symbolically, I'd like you to step forward and carry the light. Say, I'm going to carry the light. I'm going to shout in the darkness. So just as you feel led, come forward, light a candle, and sing along with them. Praise God that the light has surely come.